0: In my flint stone, look crazy in my sweater, right. Paul. It's not a big fairy tale, that's my emotion. With no proud so, Iceberg rabbits in the fox and more. Where it. I caught two more, brought four for Rizzo. Bad boy, thank you for the special delivery. Okay. Give me by the pool in my Tony totally starts slipping Wonder Woman Arm, Ghost is yes. intelligent. Made dirty over dust time, I was killing him. Dip cash in 116, I was filling him. Them days kept a Christian, I bill on him. I lived it out, yeah. Special yeah. delivery. It out. I it out. Welcome to the weekend edition of Uptempo Sports 24-7 with your host, Coach P. And we have got to talk about the fantastic play that's going on in the NBA right now. Even through all the games being delayed at some point, players having to sit out because of COVID, players because of the short turnaround time from the bubble having to miss games due to injury we are still getting fantastic performances from these NBA players and we're getting early results from the elite matchups that we're having and so we're going to flash back to this past Thursday and talk about what many believe will be the NBA Finals, possibly Brooklyn hosting the LA Lakers. And so with that, let's get started here on uptempo sports. Thank you for joining us. And let's talk about LeBron and the Lakers taking on the Brooklyn Nets. Brooklyn without superstar KD, Kevin Durant with a hamstring injury. No need to worry folks. James Harden and one Kyrie Irving are still there. And they formed their big two, LeBron without his running mate, Anthony Davis, who looks like he was going to be out for at least at a minimum six weeks with that calf slash tendonitis in his Achilles. LeBron having to shoulder all of the weight of trying to keep the Lakers in second place in the West. He was also going to be without his point guard, Dennis Schroeder. Brooklyn sent a message to the Lakers on Thursday night, letting us know that they're going to be a problem. We've talked about since the acquisition of James Harden that defensively they don't have an anchor in the middle. But Brooklyn is showing you that even without that man in the middle, there are going to be problems for other teams trying to stop that high-octane offense. And this is without Kevin Durant. Kyrie Irving, we already knew that he was a basket getter. We already knew that he could fill it up. But now that you take the responsibility of the ball out of his hands and you don't make him a facilitator, you just let him be what he does when he wakes up at in the morning, and that is be a pure score. It's going to be a problem. James Harden, for all the things that we've talked about in the past, about James Harden appearing to be in Houston a one-dimensional player in regards to being a scorer. Now, I take that back. There have been situations where we talked about James Harden being a passer and that he did have point guard skills. But what we saw most from James Harden's career is that he is an unbelievable, unconscious scorer. James Harden has transformed uh, has transformed has transformed before our eyes excuse me folks has transformed before our eyes into a legitimate point guard he leads the league in assist at over 11 a game and now that he's taken over the point guard duties for the Brooklyn Nets he and Kyrie are just playing off one another Kyrie comes down he scores James Harden says okay you know it's time for me to stop passing the ball to to Joe Harris let me get my offense. Let me get my offensive game in the flow. And that's what they did against the Lakers. The Lakers didn't have an answer for Kyrie or James Harden. LeBron tried to shoulder it. It just wasn't enough. Not enough production off of the bench. KCP didn't give him very much on Thursday. Kuzma has been playing very well in his role now that A.D. has been sidelined. Kuz has stepped into the starting lineup and he has played very well, especially on a defensive end. That's the one thing I think the Lakers brass wanted to see from Kuzman is what he would do after signing that extension and also to see if he would put any effort on a defensive end. We know he can score. There's never been a question of whether Kyle Kuzman could score. It was what he would do defensively. Could he come out and do things defensively to help his, his Lakers team? And that's what he's starting to do. He's being a better defender on the perimeter, and he's definitely crashing the boards and is helping in regards to getting rebounds. But the Lakers, you can tell, are missing Anthony Davis. No, no AD means they have no rim protector. Marcus Saul was a very good player. That was about four or five years ago. He's just a shell of himself now. And Brooklyn took advantage of it. If it wasn't James Harden penetrating down the middle, it was Kyrie dancing, dancing, and then going to the basket. They have a problem trying to protect the rim. That is, I'm talking about the Lakers. We talk about, we talk about Brooklyn, but the Lakers show that they are... In need of having Anthony Davis back or possibly by the trade deadline going to get somebody that could help them. Defend in the inside when it's when it's a situation like this that Anthony Davis is not available. The Lakers, I don't think we need to panic in in L.A. I think the Lakers are going to be fine. I think A.D. will be fine, but I think that they're doing the best thing right now by allowing him to rest and get all the necessary treatment that he needs because they don't need him necessarily right now. They need him in a bigger scope of things, and that is the second half of the season when they're making the run for the playoffs. I don't think LeBron cares about necessarily winning the West. I don't think he necessarily cares about being in first place. He'll be glad to let Utah do that if that means that at the end of the season he has all his best players available and healthy. I think that's what matters to LeBron. LeBron is not worried about the regular season. LeBron is worried about rings and championships. And he knows that Anthony Davis has to be at his peak performance in order for them to repeat as NBA champions. So I think that he is on board with management that the longer AD is out getting treatment, getting the proper rest, that injury, the better off the Lakers would be in the long run. Let's move to what we saw happen on Friday in the NBA. Joel Embiid. We've already talked about this being probably the best version of Joel Embiid that we've seen since he has entered into the NBA. And I think that we have to definitely acknowledge Doc Rivers for this. We've seen Doc Rivers help elevate the game of Joel Embiid I told you what he has done with his former player that he had a chance to now help again in Tobias Harris. Remember, Tobias Harris was with with Doc Rivers in L.A. with the Clippers at one time and then Ben Simmons. But what he has done to help Joel Embiid has been phenomenal. And Joel Embiid has definitely been in the conversation and will continue to be in the conversation for MVP the league. And he did nothing Friday night to dismiss himself from that list as he goes for 50 points. And at the end, he made the difference why Philadelphia was able to hold on and keep the Chicago Bulls from getting a win on the road. I want to talk about Chicago real quick. I'm going to go back to Joel and B, but I have to mention this about Chicago. The last year, all I've heard about is Chicago trying to figure out how they could move Zach Levine. And one question that I have for all of those who are listening is why would you want to part ways with a player that's 25 years old and is averaging almost 30 points a game? Every statistical category, Zach Levine has improved his game from scoring to rebounding to assist to steals minutes played why would you want to move such a vital piece to your organization who has shown the wherewithal to put in the work in the offseason to become a better player not only just become a better player but in my eyes he is an all-star and we'll see if you get selected as a reserve for the all-star team but Last year and then this offseason, the first thing you heard was Chicago looking for suitors for Zach Levine. I don't know if they don't want to pay Zach Levine. I don't know exactly what it is that they're afraid of, but I've just never heard of organizations wanting to move talented players when they are in their Formidable years meaning that he's at the peak of his career right now. He's 25 So you're talking about a player who has overcome a torn ACL He's overcome the stigma of just being a an incredible athlete and dunker to show you that He is an all-around really good ball player and a player that you can build your organization with I'm just not understanding why You are even entertaining the idea of trading this guy. And if I'm Zach Levine and I keep hearing my name in trade discussions, I may have my agent get on the phone and say, you know what, if they don't love me enough or respect me enough as a player who is trying to not only get better for myself, but better for this organization, then by all means, trade me to someone who's going to identify the fact that I am a talented ball player. It just doesn't make any sense to me. Now, again, I don't work for the Chicago Bulls. I don't know what goes on behind closed doors. But I have not heard any whispers that Zach Levine is a problem within the Chicago Bulls organization. So the reason why I'm making this statement as to why Chicago is so inquisitive about suitors In a possible trade for him is beyond me. But Zach Levine is balling. He threw up 38 to try to keep Chicago in this game. So it wasn't Zach Levine's fault that they didn't win against Philadelphia. It was just too much Joel Embiid. And Philadelphia is still the cream of the crop right now in the Eastern Conference. What is going on with the Milwaukee Bucks and Giannis? They have dropped five straight games. And I know that they are missing Drew Holiday due to COVID. They've got to figure this out. You sign Giannis to a Supermax deal, you name him as the face of your organization. He's supposed to be a top five player in the NBA. But Giannis has yet to show us or prove to us that he can carry a team night in and night out when it is necessary. Yes, he's a double-double machine. Yes, he can go out and get you 30 a night. But what I'm saying to you is, can he carry you when you need him at the end of a game? In the fourth quarter in a tight ball game. Milwaukee has not won a game in which they have trailed this season in the fourth quarter. That is unbelievable. That's unbelievable considering that Giannis is a two-time NBA MVP. And you're telling me that a two-time NBA MVP in the fourth quarter when your team is trailing can't put you on his back and lead you to a win. In my eyes, that's a problem. In the eyes of many in the NBA who might not say it, and I'm talking about executives in the NBA who might not say this, that has got to be a concern. Because if this guy is supposed to be the next, the next guy that we crown as the next superstar to possibly take over for LeBron, and I think that's going to be a minute because I still think LeBron's got at least another two or three years left in him at the rate that he's playing. I don't see how you can put that label on Giannis when he hasn't shown you the ability to create opportunities for himself at the end of a ball game. He does not have a go-to shot. He is not very good at the free throw line, and teams have found, figured him out that if you put up a wall and don't allow him to get to the basket, you will. Gladly let him sit outside and shoot 17 to 20 foot, 20 feet jump shots because you don't believe that he can hit them. And by the rate in which he misses shots and the rate in which he takes these shots, I don't believe deep down that Giannis believes that he can make those shots. And that has got to be a problem for Coach Butenheiser and that Milwaukee Bucks organization. The player you're paying the most money to, the player that you deem as your franchise player, is not dependable. And for all the things that we've seen and all the things that we keep hearing about Giannis being a hard worker, I don't question that at all. But something's missing when it comes to his offseason progression because he has not gotten better with his jump shot. No one's asking him to come out and shoot like Steph Curry. Damian Lillard we're just saying can you get a consistent shot we're saying can you make a phone call to someone like an Akeem Olajuwon to work on your footwork I'm sorry in the post to develop a go-to move you have to have something you're almost seven feet tall you have to have some move that you can go to that's just like Akeem and Kareem Abdul-Jabbar Michael Jordan Something that can't be stopped. You don't have that. And that is a problem for your organization. Now, to me, one of the reasons why I believe that they went after Drew Holiday so hard is because they were definitely trying to get a second star alongside Giannis for for reasons that we're talking about right here on Uptempo Sports 24-7. Again, thank you for joining us. And that is in the big moment, they have somebody else that they can fall back on. I think that if they go back to the bubble and look and see what Chris Middleton did last year, I think Chris Middleton could give them moments. I'm not saying that that's what you want to rely on is Chris Middleton when you're in those situations in the fourth quarter. But I think that Chris Middleton showed us that he's not afraid of the spotlight and that he's willing to take a shot or take shots if need be. But if you can't depend on the highest paid player on your team, the player that you centered your whole organization around to be the guy that's going to carry you through those stormy times, then you have a problem. And I know that they are waiting for Drew Holiday to come back and In my opinion, I think Drew Holiday can be a player that they can depend on if they need somebody to be able to create a shot for themselves in the close of a game. But again, Drew Holiday is not who they're building their organization around. Drew Holiday is just a piece to the puzzle. And Milwaukee is going to have to really evaluate and go back to the drawing board to figure out what needs to be done to get Giannis over the hump to be the player that he's deemed to be, which is a superstar and franchise player. Speaking of superstars, we talked about in the bubble down in Florida for the playoffs, the arrival of one Jamal Murray. And at the start of this season, we talked about how Jamal Murray just was not quite himself. We didn't know if that was because of the quick turnaround for, even though he's a younger player, but the quick turnaround We just weren't sure what was going on. We've seen what his running mate, the Joker has done. And the Joker, (laughs) we talk about Joel Embiid and Joel Embiid in many people's opinions this year has established himself as the best big man in the NBA. But I'm going to tell you right now, Niccolo Jokic is right there at 1B. If Joel Embiid is 1A, the Joker is 1B. Again, Friday night, his he recorded his seventh triple double, but it was his running mate that finally broke out of his shell and looked like the Jamal Murray in the bubble. As Jamal Murray goes for 50. That's right, he hit a 50 burger. We had two 50 burgers on Friday. Jamal Murray, 21 of 25 from the field, eight of ten from three-point range. He scored 50 points without an attempt at the free throw line. Let me say that again. 50 points, 21 or 25. That's 85% efficiency from the floor. That's the second best in NBA history for somebody who has scored 50 or more points. The, The person with the highest percentage, of course, the late, great Will Chamberlain at 87%. What is remarkable about what Jamal did was that he did not have a free throw attempt. So you have to imagine what type of zone he was in from the field that he didn't need any free throws to get 50. He was 80 percent from the three point line. 80% from the three-point line. That is unheard of. 8 of 10. 80% from the three-point line. Jamal Murray, we hope this is the game that gets you back to what we saw between you and Donovan Mitchell in the bubble. Because if this is the Jamal Murray we're going to see from this point forward, especially in the second half, The Denver Nuggets are going to be a problem in the West. We've talked about what Utah has been doing, what Donovan Mitchell and his running mates have been doing. But Denver needs this Jamal Murray without Michael Porter Jr. being as consistent as they thought he was going to be after how he looked in the bubble last year. It's only been the Joker that's been carrying him night in and night out. This is why they need this version of Jamal Murray. And Michael Porter has had a few games now. He's been battling throughout this season with COVID protocol issues. But it seems like he's trying to round back into shape and round back his game. He's had a couple of good back-to-back games here. And they're going to need that from him too. But Jamal Murray is the X factor because... As long as they can have Jamal Murray and the Joker doing what they do together, they are legit in the West. Now, are they legit to get out of the West? I still think they have a a missing piece. You know, we keep hearing the fact that you're floating the Bradley Beal idea. I just don't think that the Wizards are going to move Bradley Beal. Unless Bradley Beal goes to management and demands a trade, I think he's going to ride it out at least for this year and probably next year. But could you imagine Bradley Beal and Jamal Murray and the Joker? (laughs) You would be paying for the price of admission to see those three players together. It would be incredible. But I'm going to talk about another player that's been incredible, who's had an incredible year, and I don't think any of us saw this coming. Jeremy Grant. A lot of people question Jeremy Grant leaving the Denver Nuggets In the offseason to go to Detroit, why would you leave a team that's a perennial basement dweller like the Detroit Pistons when you're playing with a team that just got to the Western Conference Finals because he wanted an expanded role? That's why he knew he couldn't get that same type of role in Denver. And a lot of people question, was he even built for that type of role? Well, I think those questions have been answered and then some. Jeremy Grant right now, if the season ended right now, to me, would be getting the award for most improved player. That's just how I see it. I mean, he's doing stuff that I didn't think he was capable of doing in regards to scoring. Put up 43 points a couple of nights ago. He has been a one-man wrecking band in Detroit I didn't know that he had this type of offensive game. I don't even know if Denver realized that he had this type of offensive game. So that just goes to show you that he didn't get spoiled by that contract that he received from the Detroit Pistons in the offseason. What it did was it showed how hungry that he was and how much that he had a chip on his shoulder that he wanted to show not only Denver, because I think Denver actually, I think he had a pretty good career in Denver the short period of time he was there, But I think he wanted to show management that he could have been more of a player that they could have depended upon, that he could have been that third score for them. But he has shown that he is a number one asset in Detroit because Detroit is definitely in rebuild mode. They have nothing. And if it had not been for the performances of Jeremy Grant night in and night out, I don't even know if they would even have, honestly speaking, if they would have any wins. He's made them competitive. I mean, look at what he did, how well he played against the Lakers and LeBron, the numbers he put up in that game. Look how he's carried them. I mean, they're getting nothing from Blake Griffin. They're probably going to move off of Blake Griffin. Blake Griffin, to me, it's a shame that, you know, the injuries mounted up for him, especially with his knees when he was with the Clippers. So he is not even the high flyer anymore that we were used to seeing. Matter of fact, Blake Griffin hasn't dunked in over a year. That's incredible. Considering that every time you looked at a a game with Blake Griffin, somebody was getting posterized. That was just, that was just a part of what was going to happen. If you played against the Clippers back when Blake Griffin was Blake Griffin, possibly you were going to be on ESPN highlights because Blake Griffin was going to put you on a poster. Those days are, Far gone now. But Jeremy Grant, the young man, has established himself in the NBA. He's having a hell of a season, and I just want to reach out to him right now and say, hey, do you, sir, continue with the season that you're having? Your peers see what you're doing. You are having a great season, and maybe it'll pay its rewards at the end of the season with a most improved player award being presented to you. We talked about the Lakers and the loss that they had on Thursday. And then they had a showdown last night against the team that they played in the NBA championship, the Miami Heat. And we know what Miami's been going through with all the COVID protocols and injuries, Jimmy Butler being out, lineup changes, seems like every other game, But Miami has found its way back into the conversation. Miami is getting healthy. Bam Bio is showing why Miami was willing to extend their young stud power forward slash center. He has been holding it down for them when Jimmy Butler's been out. Tyler Hero has played well um, in spots where he's had to start and or go back to being Um, the sixth man coming off the bench. Kendrick Nunn has been the catalyst for this team. He has been the one that's been steady. He's been steady Eddie, as we would say. Um, Grogage was out to start the season. Remember, we told you Jimmy Butler's been in and out of the lineup, but Jimmy has started to get his legs back and started to show why he had such a breakout performance in the bubble in Miami. Was able to get just a little bit of revenge last night as they hold on and beat the L.A. Lakers 96-94. LeBron flirted with a triple-double. But LeBron acknowledged after the game that he's going to have to do more in order for him to carry and keep this Lakers team afloat. And while we're talking about LeBron, let's just talk about all of his accomplishments. Let's talk about what he accomplished on Thursday night in that loss to Brooklyn. We talked about the fact that Kyrie and James Harden just were too much offensively for the Lakers to handle. But let's talk about what LeBron did. LeBron becomes the third player in NBA history to score 35,000 points. He is the youngest to reach that mark in NBA history. He sits behind Kareem Abdul-Jabbar and Karl Malone, In the all-time scoring leaders list. But LeBron separated himself into a list that only he is on. And that is LeBron scoring more than 35,000 points, 9,000 assists, 9,000 rebounds. Wrap your head around that for a second. Somebody who we have talked about since the day he walked into the NBA that people kept saying he didn't have he didn't have the clutch gene, that he didn't wasn't scoring enough, that he should be going averaging thirty points a night, doing what Mike did, doing what Kobe was doing, averaging at least thirty points a night, that he just didn't want that spotlight on him. No, it wasn't that. It was that LeBron is an all around player. He is an unselfish player. And, I, and and let me let me let me say this before people start getting all in their feelings, talk about the coach P just call out Michael Jordan and Kobe saying They were selfish players. By no means am I saying that what I'm saying is, is that this LeBron is a player who within him is just a facilitator. He is just a player who just wants to get everybody involved. And you have players like that. Le- LeBron is in his DNA is magic in regards to how he wants to be a point guard and running an offense, making sure that everybody gets involved. Michael Jordan and Kobe Bryant, their DNA was for them to be prolific scores, to just be assassins when they stepped onto a hardwood floor. All they thought about was how they could cripple their opponent, take their heart away with the way that they scored on him. That's what their focus was. Their focus was how can they just rip the heart out of their opponent and win every time they stepped on the floor. Don't get it twisted. LeBron wants to win every time he steps on the floor as well, but he just wants to do it in a different way. So by no means am I calling Kobe or MJ selfish players because they're not or they weren't but they were just so driven by wanting to make sure that their opponent knew that they could not be stopped. They wanted to make sure that their opponent knew that they would do whatever it took to get a W that I think sometimes they didn't even think about the fact that maybe they didn't get their teammates involved all the time. And it's not to say that they didn't get their teammates involved because they did. But it may not be as much as we see LeBron does. LeBron goes out of his way to make sure that, just like a point guard, this is what this is the mentality of a point guard. This is what point guards do. They want to make sure that everybody eats, and then they will eat as well. Everybody has a different way of playing the game. It doesn't mean that one person's way is, is bad or one person's way is better. It just means that whatever works for you. Whatever's beneficial to you and your team that's going to help elevate your team is what you choose to do. And that's how LeBron rose. And to just imagine that all these years and we talked about LeBron not being such a prolific scorer, that at this particular point, in his 18th season, his 18th season at 36 years old, LeBron James sits third on the all time scoring list at thirty five thousand points. He has nine thousand assists nine thousand rebounds before it's all said and done i predict that lebron will play with barring any injuries everything being everything being equal i think lebron will play at maximum at least three more years at least three more years and if that is the case lebron will be at the time that he decides to hang up his shoes He will be the all-time leading scorer in NBA history. Wrap your head around that. Wrap your head around the fact that we talked about LeBron not being a prolific scorer, that LeBron should be going out averaging 30 30 or more points a game, but he didn't for whatever reason. That's what the critics kept saying. But at the end of the day, LeBron James will be the all-time leading scorer. He may achieve that mark by the end of next year if he averages at least 26 points a game. He's 130 games away from that mark. If you don't think he knows that, oh, you better check yourself because you better believe that everything LeBron does is calculated. Everything that he does has meaning to it. And he is checking off his list of things that he wants to do. Now, even with that being said, I'm not sitting here saying that that means that he'll be anointed as the GOAT. We'll have, that'll be a discussion for another day. And like I've always said, all these lists that we make of greatest of all time in any sport, whether it's basketball, football, baseball, hockey, is always subjective because everybody has their opinion about who they saw, who they liked and who they believe to be the greatest. So there's no one right answer. There is no wrong answer per se, because everybody has the right to their opinion. But I will say this, and I've said this on many occasions. If you are not willing to put LeBron James in the conversation for greatest of all time, then you are not being fair to the talent, the extraordinary talent that this man has given us in his career, you're just being a hater. You're, you're just not really a true basketball person who admires the game and the greatness of the players who have come through. If you're not willing to even put him in the category or put him in a discussion for greatest of all time, you can like who you like. You can, at the end of the day, even if he surpasses Kareem and is the all-time leading scorer, you can still say that you think that Mike is what you saw and Mike is the best. But you cannot allow your optics to tell you that this man that wears the purple and gold right now for the LA Lakers has not been and will not be one of the greatest players to ever step on the basketball court that you have seen in your lifetime. Because if you can come out your mouth and say that, you are a liar. And I'm going to leave it parked right there. Woo. Yes, indeed. Got a lot of stuff going on in the NBA. We're going to take a small break, and then we're going to come back and finish our discussion about the NBA. Because I want to talk about, see what you all think about the, the voting for. The starters for the NBA All-Star Game And then, of course, we've got to talk a little bit about the NFL We appreciate you tuning in to Uptempo Sports 24-7 And we're going to take a small break, and we'll be right back Alright, thank you for returning with us This is Uptempo 24-7 And this is Coach P And we want to get back to the NBA For a few more minutes On Uptempo Sports Because we want to talk about Bradley Beal for a second It's it finally looks as though the NBA has recognized what we in the DMV and a lot of players have recognized for years, that Bradley Beal is a superstar. We have not acknowledged it. The NBA has not acknowledged it because last year he was left off of the all-NBA team. He didn't make one one. All NBA team, not first, not second, not third. How is that possible? So Bradley Bill took that, went into the lab, and came out this year and said, you know what? I'm going to be even better than I was last year. And last year he was pretty damn good. So now Bradley Bill leads the league in scoring. Bradley Bill leads the league in every team drooling over the idea of possibly trying to trade for him. That's when you know that you have arrived when NBA teams and their GMs are trying to figure out a way that they can convince the current team that you are employed by the Washington Wizards to relinquish you via trade. Bradley Beal even with all the covid protocols and games that have been made, that have been missed and in a year in which The Wizards have not been very good. Bradley Beal has been the one bright spot for the Wizards. And so has Russell Westbrook. Now, we've talked about Russ here, and I've told you that I personally would have not made the trade because, to me, trading Russell Westbrook for John Wall was basically a wash. But Russell Westbrook has still done what Russell Westbrook does, what he's been doing for pretty much his entire career he is a triple double machine and he has brought that with him, even though he may not be playing back to back nights with the Wizards. He has still brought that tenacity and that veracity to their organization to go along with Bradley Bill. Last night, Bradley Bill, 38 points, as he helped the Wizards beat the Portland Trail Blazers 118 to 111. And something that I didn't know, which I thought was really crazy. Last night, the Washington Wizards won their fourth game in a row. I know you're saying, Coach, what's so big about that? What's big statistically about that is, is that that was the first time the Wizards, the Wizards had won four games in a row in three years. That's right. You heard me correctly. There's no stumbling. I'm not drinking. (laughs) I'm, I'm telling you, this is the stat line that I heard last night watching the Wizards game. Last night, the Wizards won their fourth game in a row. That was the first time they had won four games in a row. In a three year span. That was incredible to hear. The last time they won four games in a row was in 2018, February of 2018, to be exact. I couldn't be- couldn't believe it. I was shaking my head when I heard that stat line last night. I was like, are you kidding me? We've talked about teams like the Utah Jazz winning over the last year and a half. Between last year and this year, they've won 20 out of 21 games. They were on a 10-game winning streak until they lost to the Clippers on Friday night. Talked about the L.A. Lakers being on a 7-8 game winning streak. We told you about the Brooklyn Nets. And one thing I forgot to mention about the Brooklyn Nets. The Brooklyn Nets, with all their defensive deficiencies, they are 10-1. This is a stat stat for you too. The Brooklyn Nets are 10-1 against teams that are 500 or better this season. As much as we talk about them being a one-dimensional team just so offensively gifted with three of the best scores we've ever seen in Kyrie, KD, and James Harden. They are ten and one against teams above five hundred. So let me I've given you two stat lines that you probably are scratching your head saying, I can't believe that's that can't be true. Yes. The first stat line I gave you was that the Washington Washington Wizards won their fourth game in a row last night by defeating Portland. And that was the first time in three years they had won four games in a row. And then the other stat line I just mentioned to you was that the Brooklyn Nets are 10-1 with all their defensive defensive deficiencies, their lack of a real rim protector, because DeAndre Jordan is not the same guy he was with the Clippers five five or six years ago. He's just not it's you know age is set in now so we know that he can't is not capable of doing all the things he did you know when he was a little bit younger and that's that's just real but with all that being said brooklyn is 10 and 1 against teams that are 500 or better so that just tells you or goes to show that if they're able to get somebody that can give them some help on the defensive side at the trade deadline by march 25th Brooklyn is going to be a problem in the Eastern conference for all the accolades that we put on the Philadelphia 76ers and the amazing season that Joel Embiid is having and Tobias hers. We know Boston is going to eventually going to bounce back. They've gotten maximum performance from Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown, who both should definitely be all stars this year, but we're still waiting for Kimber. Now Kimber had a good game a few nights ago. He dropped 28, but he is definitely not the same Kimball Walker that he was in Charlotte. That, that knee is a problem. That knee issue is going to be a problem. and may be a problem the rest of his career. We hope not, but we'll see. But I want to get back to the Wizards and Bradley Beal real quick. Bradley Beal was acknowledged as a starter, which he should have been for this year's All-Star game. We talk about the guards, and we know that Kevin Durant and LeBron James were the two highest vote getters, and they're the captains of the of the teams that they represent. I'm going to sit here, and I'm going to tell you that I am a big Luka Doncic fan for the Dallas Mavericks. We know going into the season, Luka was the preseason favorite to win MVP. I think that ship has sailed. Not saying that Luca's not having a good year, but it's just been too many other greater performances on a consistent basis that puts him out of that trajectory right now. At any other time, I would say Luca being named as a starter, you shouldn't even blink on it. But the season that Damian Lillard is having for the Portland Trail Blazers, you have to say, it's a big market bias for why Luca is getting the start over Dame. Remember, Dame has been without CJ McCullum for most of this, most of this early part of this season. Remember, Dane came out the bubble late too. So did Dallas. Dame is holding it down. He just had. Uh, A blessing. I think the early part of this month, his wife gave birth to twins. Congratulations on that again. In a small market where most players, even though he's already been paid, will be demanding to get traded to get out of there because of the fact that he knows it is a tough road to travel to get to not only the Western Conference Finals, but just to get to the NBA Finals. Dame Lillard said, put it on my back. I'm going to figure it out before my career is over with. I'm going to get Portland to the championship. I really want to get Portland to win a championship, but I am going to get them at least to a NBA championship. We saw how the Clippers mocked him last year when he missed some free throws in the bubble. Only to see the Clippers go out before they could get to the Western Conference Finals. That was a joke. But Dame has been consistent. He is one of the players that we put in the same category when you talk about deaf shooters, shooters with range. We always initially put at the top of the list, of course, Steph Curry. Dame Lillard is shooting... At the same rate in regards to 30 feet and, and more in the NBA. Dame Lillard is a bucket getter, bucket maker, clutch player. Damian Lillard is telling us why you can never sleep on the desires and the heart of someone that we can look at and say he's a true champion, even without a ring. He's a champion because of the way he goes about and plays the game. Damian Lillard is a beast. I have been a big Dame fan since the day he stepped in the league because he has been that guy to elevate his game every single year, work on his game, work on his craft, make himself an elite ball player. He's getting help with Carmelo this year, who's having a rejuvenated renaissance career in the second half of his career. He's getting help from young players like Gary Trent Jr., Fern Simmons, and even flashes from some of the younger players that they just drafted a few years ago. But Dame is the heart and soul of that team. Make no doubt about it. Without nurchik and cj mccullum he still has portland in the thick of the race in the west in the tough western conference so again i told you to start this conversation that i am a big luka Doncic fan but dame lillard is my guy and even if dame lillard wasn't a guy that i liked it's just based on optics Dame is doing more for what his team needs, considering he doesn't have his second best player with him. And he is carrying Portland night in and night out. Now, is he getting help? No question about it. People are stepping their games up. But at the end of the day, Dame Lillard goes down. The season's over for Portland. And I'm saying that the season's over for Dallas if Luka went down, because I believe it would be too. Anytime you have a superstar player, you're going to say that. But the things that Dame does at his size is, I think, the reason why we emphasize the fact that he should be a starter for the NBA All-Star game. And Luka Doncic even came out and said, hey, for the most part, he basically said, I know I'm having a really good year, but Damian Lillard should be starting in the All-Star game. And that's that's respect. That's respect. That's that's. um." Game knowing game, game recognizing game, as we like to say. And there's no question about that Dame's game is bigger than he is. He is one hell of a ball player. And so I just want to acknowledge that Damian Lillard should be a starter for the All-Star game, but congratulations that he is on the All-Star team. He'll get his minutes, I'm sure. But I just wanted to bring that up and see how you guys felt about it. Um, Like I said, I think Dame Lillard is one of the premier guards in this league. Small guard, big guard, whatever. He's just one of the premier players in this league. And as much as we talk about Steph being a big game shooter, some of the shots that I've seen Dame Lillard hit has been ridiculous. I mean, he hit some shots last night against the Wizards. He's stepping across half court and pulling that thing with a hand in his face. And he still lights out. So congratulations to Dame Congratulations to our own Bradley Bill here in the DMV on finally getting the respect and acknowledgement that you have been deserving of for the last few years. We not still still haven't um, gotten all the indications of all the reserves yet, and we still have not gotten the information about who will be in the dunk contest, in the three-point shooting contest, and the skills contest, set for all-star weekend here probably I think it's in the next two weeks March 7th so that's about two weeks away but as much as we have said that we wish that maybe the league would have stepped aside because of all the things that are going on with COVID we do hope that these players are safe when they go to play this game and that it's a great performance that they put on for the fans I'm going to step away from the NBA and we're going to Make our way to the NFL. Yes, we told you earlier in the week about the Carson Wentz trade. And I just laugh as the week has progressed about all these people that want to put Indianapolis as a front runner for the Super Bowl because they now have traded for a guy who was bottomed out, who bottomed out last year. With Philadelphia I'm not saying that Carson Wentz is not good I'm not saying that he doesn't have talent but Carson Wentz has not been that Carson Wentz of 2017 for four years now 2019 he did a remarkable job to get his team to the playoffs because they had nothing offensively it was him and a couple of lawn chairs that he was throwing the ball to so I I gave him his props in 2019 but last year he had to be the worst quarterback in the NFL just from a statist- from a statistical, excuse me, statistical standpoint. Last in passer rating, interceptions, turnover machine, lack of leadership, and these are the things that for all those who want to annoy Indianapolis as a front runner in the AFC, let's get past the statistical part in regards to his stat line. Let's just talk about the man himself. Where is the leadership? Where is the accountability? Where is the person who is going to galvanize that locker room or that huddle? That's what you want in your quarterback. He may not be the leader of the team per se, but he has to at least be the leader of your offense. He has to be the leader and the voice that you hear when you go into that huddle. Your, your players that play alongside him, your offensive linemen, your skilled players, they have to believe that he is the guy that can push them through when he steps into that huddle. If he can't, then you have a problem. And that's a problem that Frank Reich is going to have to acknowledge And they're going to have to work on way before we even talking about him taking a snap from center in Indianapolis. It's getting his mind right. It's getting the optics that we've seen over the course of his career in Philly getting that right. We talk about your quarterback being the leader. We have not seen that from Carson Wentz at all. What we've seen Carson Wentz do is act like a petulant child who doesn't get his way. What we've seen Carson Wentz is complain about competition. Kind of like the same thing with Ben Roethlisberger. Big Ben in a salary cap league has the Pittsburgh Steelers trapped because they are straining to try to figure out what they're going to do about their quarterback situation. Ben is due to count against their cap $41 million. Even if they release Ben, he would count, I think, about close to $30 million against their cap. This is the same quarterback who, over the last three to four years, kept telling the Pittsburgh Steelers organization that he might retire. He was thinking about retiring, considering retiring. And then when they try to go get a quarterback, he balked at it. Now they sit at the doorstep of the finality of Ben's career and they have no true replacement. And I don't think they really want to bring Ben back. But for all case and purposes, money structure wise, it probably is the better move for them to bring him back. This is what I'm saying quarterbacks unless you have just that guy especially now ben there was no question that ben was the guy when he got to pittsburgh there's been no question about that he's a two-time super bowl winner he will be a future hall of famer but ben has not always been the best ben when you talk about the representation of the organization he's not always been in shape he's not always been the best person or the best leader that he could be and Those things have caught up with him now, not being in shape the way he is. Ben is is younger than Tom Brady. I think Ben is 38. Tom Brady's 43. That's five years. That's a big difference. And Tom Brady is playing like he's in his mid-30s. And Ben is playing like he's 43 years old. It's the same thing we saw with Drew Brees. Not that Drew Brees wasn't the consummate professional, but you could just see that the injuries had caught up with Drew Brees at the end of the year last year. Pittsburgh's got their hands tied, and they've got to figure out what they're going to do. But I, I I wanted to slide Ben in there to talk about how Indianapolis just can't just think that now that they have Carson Wentz, that they're automatically penciled in to get to the AFC Championship game against Kansas City or whoever else may get there. I still believe that Indianapolis has got to get Frank Reich and that organization to get Carson Wentz's mind right I don't think there's a question about the skill set and the ability that he has physically it's about what's between his ears that they need to work on and I think that's where Frank Reich the coach Frank Reich the psychologist is going to have to play a major role in getting Carson Wentz to return to a shell of what he was in 2017 when mid-season-wise he was a MVP candidate. I don't know if he can technically return to that, but they just need him to be a leader of men. They need him to be able to get out of his own way. If they can do that, then they have an opportunity. But Carson Wentz is going to have to accept coaching, which we heard in Philly he did not always take too kindly to, he's going to have to accept that he, when he does not perform well, that he has to hold a sense of responsibility and accountability. Why should you be exempt from any accountability when every, every other player on your team, on that roster, carries? a sense of responsibility for the job at the position that they play. If Darius Leonard misses a tackle, Darius Leonard misses an assignment, he's going to get called out by the defensive coordinator. Why should you not get called out if you miss an assignment, miss a wide open receiver, or you throw into double or triple coverage and throw an interception? Why should you not be called out? Sports is a, just like life, sports is a game but it's a referendum on accountability. You have to be accountable for the things that you do or don't do. And that's all of us in our jobs, in life, just living. This is how we have to be. And so that's what Carson Wentz has to get through his head that regardless of the fact that he's a quarterback and he thinks that he's above everybody, he has to come back. And if If this past year has not humbled him to want to get better as a person, as well as a player, then Indianapolis just bought some bad stock. But Frank Reich is going to have to be, along with their GM, they're going to have to get this guy right mentally first in order for them to be able to achieve what they ultimately want is a return to the Super Bowl. That's what the ultimate goal is. Phillip Rivers came in and got him to the playoffs last year. But now the expectations are going to be through the roof with Carson Wentz. And only he and management knows what needs to be done to get to that level. So we'll see if he's willing to accept that challenge and not only be better, but do better. Before we step away from this episode of Uptempo Sports 24-7, again, I appreciate you tuning in to us, and hopefully um, everyone's having a great weekend. I want to send prayers out to the people in Texas for the weather that has been just unfathomable that they've gone through, that's been so crippling. You know, so many people have lost power. So many people have had to be displaced out of their homes because they had no water or power. And I'm just hoping that things are going to be better and things were better this weekend, that they were able to get power back, that the ice and snow that had accumulated has started to melt and that the power companies were able to get their generators working and get power back to these people, get water back to these people that these pipes have thawed out, that the water is now working. The worst feeling in the world is not to be able to be safe. And when you are displaced or you are in your home and you don't have access to electricity or water, that is being in arm's way. And so I just want to send prayers out to everybody in Texas in other parts of the world that were experiencing issues with the weather that may have crippled them during the week that they are safe and in a better spot than they were when the week began. So I just want to send that out. I also want to send out a shout out to Alfred Street Baptist Church in Alexandria, Virginia and its pastor, the Reverend. Howard John Wesley. I listen to Pastor Wesley pretty much every Sunday on the virtual service that he provides because of the time frame that we're in right now with us not being able to gather in a place of worship. But I wanted to mention this because he is such a profound speaker. He is such a profound and inspirational man of God he's also a very inspirational black leader and I just wanted to acknowledge that during this month of February for Black History Month because some of the things that he talks about in his sermons some of the life lessons that he tells each and every week even for myself at the age of 54 I'm still learning especially when it comes to religion, I'm still learning. And some of the things that he gives not only to his, his congregation, but to all of us who listen to him through the airwaves of YouTube are just, it's just inspiring and phenomenal. And I just wanted to give him a shout and his church a shout out. For all the things that they're doing, not only in their community, but across the world. And the lives that they've touched in their giving back to the community and giving back to different churches and different organizations. And especially this past weekend, they had their 19th annual HBCU festival. And this festival was a college, basically like a college day fair that they did virtually for students of color to apply to historically black colleges and universities apply for scholarship opportunities this is what they did this weekend my son works for microsoft he went to a this is his first year working for microsoft after he graduated he just graduated from Two historically black universities, Morehouse College in Atlanta, Georgia, and North Carolina A&T in Greensboro, North Carolina. My son's name is Keyshawn Alexander, and he is a engineer. And he actually worked um, through his company, Microsoft, with the students this weekend, yesterday, on the virtual College Day Fair. So, I wanted to give him a shout out and give the shout out to the organizations like Microsoft and Google that have donated their time and money to HBCUs and to church organizations like Alpha Street Baptist Church. And, like I said, I just wanted to acknowledge Pastor Wesley. I've never been to his church, but I tell you what. If you have never heard this man speak, he is such a profound speaker. He is such a knowledgeable man. He is a man of much knowledge and of much grace. And for those of you who don't know the word or searching for the word or somebody to lead you to the word, you can shouldn't go any further than tuning in to Pastor Howard John Wesley. On Sunday mornings with Alpha Street Baptist Church, you will not be disappointed. He is a terrific leader and speaker and a God fearing man. And that's how I want to end this show. I just want to say thank you for tuning in. You can always catch us on our social media platforms, Google, Apple, Spotify. Everyone have a safe and enjoy the rest of your weekend until the next. Peace.